welcome to the Coffee with the Commissioner podcast. Uh, Julian Masandi is my guest today. Have I pronounced that right, Julian? No. No. Julian. It's Junior. Junior. Yeah. It's actually, in French, it's Junior. My friends are Junior Masandi, but... Junior Masandi. Yeah. Right. Thank you. So, tell us who you are then. Yeah. So, my name is Junior Masandi, and um, I've lived in Teesside since I was 10 years old, and I'm 34 soon. Um, I... I I grew up on Linthorpe, in, in Linthorpe. I went to St. David's School and then uh, worked my way up until now. I am a trustee for Taste of Africa, an office charity here. Um, I am a digital marketing publication communications delivery tutor and apprenticeships and also a marketing uh, professional. And alongside that as well, I mean, I'm a mentor for quite a lot of young people that are coming to the country as well. Okay. So moving here at 10 years old, what, what was that like moving to a, a new country at 10 years old? Because it, it's not like you're a baby and you, you'll remember lots about it. Yeah. I, rem- I remember the shock of the cold weather coming off the plane. <laughs> that's what, that's that, that's so true. Um, I, I remember, I actually remember coming off the plane and we had, short, had shorts on and T-shirts and, and it was September when I landed here and it was freezing. And I remember going to... Um, TK, I think it was TK Max or something like that, and got a big Parker coat just to cover <laughs> myself because it was really that cold. But it was it was different. It was a, it was a culture change for me moving here. Yeah. Obviously, coming from an African country where a lot more people are free and then you, you can do a lot of things. And I came from also a quite-ish wealthy kind of family as well. So where I, when I grew up when we were in Congo, we, I was like living quite well. Then coming here to then be in the cold. Um, Fighting against because we were one of the early families that came here and that was also black as well. So you were dealing with the um, being different than everybody else and walking on the streets and everybody's looking yeah. at you. So it's kind of it was a shock at being that young as well. Um, so we had a lot of different um, scenarios where we were fighting your way through life. Uh, and was it just you and your parents, brothers, sisters? So there's five of us. Um, m- moved with my stepmom because um, yeah. my dad had two wives. Um, so one of them moved here. So my siblings are children, and I was right. the only one that was not linked to them. So that's how we that's how we ended up here. Yeah. And you and you've managed to get your accent. Yeah, you haven't gone all Linthorpe on us. No, not yet. But <laughs> that's because I've travelled quite a lot as well. So I've not just lived just in Tisas. So I've spent some time in Dubai, some, some from France, and then I went back home quite a few times as well. Yeah. So my accent is kind of like people say, and and I've lived and I've recently just came back from East London as well. Yeah. So there's some twang of East London in it as well, and there are quite a few different things as well. So fully international. Yeah, I, I can only be, I can only begin to imagine how how difficult it might have been for yeah. for a young person back in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, what did that look like? What how how did you feel? What 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 was the worst part about it? Um, okay, so we came we we came as a refugee because my. My dad. So, if you look in the in the, in the Congolese history, the president, the president, not the recent one, the one before that, his father was murdered. So, my dad worked in the, in the presidential office. So, we had to leave because he was also in. He was also gonna. Uh, he, was, he was also at risk as well. Mm-hmm. So, we moved. So, we left everything behind, and, and we came here as um, as as refugees. Um, so, l- living the life of a refugee was completely different because you didn't. You were literally living off the basics and trying to rebuild again from zero when coming from having a huge compound with three, four cars to then having nothing and just trying to get yourself through the cold weather as well. So that was a, that was a, that was a challenge in itself as a young person because I came when I was 10 years old, so I didn't fully understand it. And then I was my siblings also not understanding it and they were asking, why can't we get this? Why can't we get that? Can I get this? So you're consistently dealing with that. And then um, 
growing up as well. Um, so my 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 mom, my stepmom, and the young children all moved to Coventry at that time as well. So we left middle school, and we moved to Coventry, and it was my it was coming towards my last year of school. Um, so I moved to Coventry and had different challenges there as well because um, I've gone from actually being in Teesside where is the very small amount of black people in Teesside to in Coventry where it's very popular with black people. Yeah. But then there was a lot more crime within that, within that area. So then I went from one from one to another and that nearly got me into a lot of trouble because I got into a fair few fights because I just, again, just trying to find my way around things. And then I moved back to Teesside. I had to go through college, myself for college and everything else just by myself. So I had to, so that's where I think was the most challenging part of my life because on day to day you are hustling or you're trying to find where you're gonna eat from or what you're going to do, where you're gonna stay. So I spent a lot of time sofa surfing as well. So just from different friends else, without them actually knowing I was actually homeless, but that's what I just kept on doing for quite a while until I've got myself settled down. So okay. I think that was the hardest part of my... And when did you, when did you find that settling down moment then? So you went through college yeah. Did you go to university? I did. I went to Teesside University and I did marketing and advertising. Um, actually, just before I went to university, I met uh, Auntie Shade, who's, who's, who's the founder of Taste of Africa. So that's why I've been, I've been in a charity for 18 years now. Um, so I met her just before I went to university. And by then, she kind of helped me settle down a little bit because she gave me like a mother figure to just check in on me all the time. So whenever uh, many opportunities had happened, <coughs> she kept offering him out my ways. There's all these things happening. Do you want to earn a little bit of money? You can do this. So that's what I get a little bit of money from. And then um, I went to university for my first year of university. I struggled because I wasn't settled. So I left university and started working in nightclubs and night bars and nightclubs, earning the mon uh, earning money there, which then started paying for my housing. So that and I started to get myself my own little place just down in Stowe Street, just around the corner of Nithorpe. That was the first time I got my own place. And then I just, that's where I started settling in, get a bit of work. And as soon as I finished, as soon as I got myself to a point where I felt I could go to, back to university, I went back to university, didn't finish. Okay. Do you think you've seen much change in Middlesbrough over the last 20 years? Oh, absolutely. It's been a drastic change in Middlesbrough. There's, um, one, it's been, obviously, it's been a lot more diverse as well since I was mm -hmm. I first came here. Um, my the word that I hate the most is the word tolerant. Um, I generally hate that word because you feel like you're pointing up with something, but... If you're utilizing the way the British values talk about tol tolerance, um, I feel Teesside has become a lot more tolerant. And uh, people are becoming a lot more welcoming and a lot more open as well. So that's been a change. And also, if you look at inf infrastructure, for example, the digital world within, because I, I, I work in digital, so Teesside itself is it's becoming very digital. So we've got this beautiful place in the flock, yeah. for example. So a lot of it has changed. Um, a lot of things have moved for the better, but there are still some ways of, of growth and development still within Teesside. That's why I keep coming back. I keep coming back here. And you, keep come back. and you come back and you're involved with the charity Taste of Africa. Yes. So, so what do they do? So Taste of Africa is a charity that um, predominantly was launched to celebrate Black History Month, uh, just to kind of showcase who we are. Because uh, if you look at the media back in the days, it's always like uh, people are coming from Africa, people, black people, this, the, the, all the different um, views that people had of, 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 of my culture and race. So Tesla figure was there just to kind of showcase who we are as individuals to come and say, so this is where we're very bright, vibrant. We, um, we've got amazing foods, we've got a great fashion. So please just come and join us, get to, get to know us a little bit more. So that started 20 years ago, it's the 20th anniversary this year, 20 years ago. And um, so within that, it's also developed into the Black History Youth Awards, you know, so celebrating young people uh, that do well within STEM, education, um, 
sports and all the different criterias. So we support them and also it's definitely mentorship as well for uh, mentoring those young people because the challenges I had was settling in this country was understanding how the system work, um, even how the policing works, for example, with this, like you, if you don't know, like you've automatically you have a barrier that goes up and you're scared, yeah. of, and you're scared. So then I have been able to talk from my experiences and dealing with young people and, and supporting them. So that's some of the work that we do. Um, alongside that as well, um, we um, we do quite a lot of talks. We did we recently delivered a, uh, like a workshop within the, uh, within the police just around um, cultural um, racial microaggression as well. And understanding how to how to how to engage within the communities as well. So there's quite a lot of things that this Africa do, and we just keep growing every single year as well. So racial microaggression. What what does that mean to you? So racial microaggression is. So, what I've learned a lot um, is not everybody's of racist, and so I've got to be question how word this. So not everybody's racist. However, some people don't know what a specific words can trigger things within within people. Um, for example, like one of the words that I've utilized quite often is somebody go, oh, um, I don't see black and white. That falls within racial microaggression because you are dismissing, understand, dismissing what that person has gone through, being a black person within this country because you don't see, you don't want to understand or see what, what they And I'll be honest through. with you, I, I, I've used that phrase in the past. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. Yeah. And you come from a place where where you think you think you you you've been fair and open, and, yeah. and I understand why I would I, I would say that, and yeah. you just think, well, everybody's the same. But yeah. then I, I do understand how, from your perspective, is very different. That that statement is very different than what it is from my perspective. I agree. And if we talk about, for example, like uh, the protected uh, characteristics, if you look at a disabled person, you wouldn't go, "Oh, I." I see myself with else, you would actually help them to yeah. then move forward. So that's what I'm that's the aspect of what that potentially means. And I, by the way, I do not mean no sure, it's the wrong thing to say. I don't mean it's like a it's it, not it's, offensive. It's, a, it's education. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that I, I find that a lot. And completely right. And and I think that's what the conversation is about as well. And within that as well is being able to be open to have the conversation. Because when I got an example was when I delivered uh, like a workshop to the police force. Somebody actually said to me, said, do you mind if I ask you a question, Shreve? I said, yes, absolutely. It's an open floor. Ask me. Obviously, I won't know every single answer there the is in the world. But if I don't know, I'll find out and let you know. However, I will talk to you from my own uh, personal point of view and my own experiences as well. And what was the question they asked you? Okay, so the question was based around a, um, it was policing in, in, in an area and they could not stop the woman from being hysterics when they were arresting, uh, when they were, when they were arresting the partner. They couldn't understand why that woman was specifically um, in in hysterics, so they tried to wait to calm her down, but she just not could calm until the point where she got she got she, she got violent. My answer to that was, to be honest, I don't know exactly what she may have gone through. However, if you look at the culture or look at the country she's come from, the moment a police officer comes into your house and arrests your husband, majority of the time you will not see that husband again, right. or he will be beaten up. So something will always end up happening yeah. to that husband. So she's if she does not know. How the police force works within this country, she may automatically just have that trauma of being like, "Oh my God, you take my husband away! I don't know if I'll ever see him again. I've got children in the house. Like, what's going to?" And she yeah. goes in, in hysterics, and that makes so, absolute sense yeah. when you explain it like that. Yeah. So there's so many different things within different cultures that people need to be able to get and understand. And I and I do also know that there are people that are very that be difficult to deal with, hundred percent. Wherever they come from, we will have those those kind of people. But 
if you understand, you potentially also know how to best deal with this situation. And she explained to women, it's going to be in this police station. This is what's going to happen. This is that it'll be safe and everything else. And she understands that she will calm down, but it's been able to have that open conversation as yeah. well. Really good question and a really good answer. <laughs> yeah. Really good answer. So staying on that theme, then, obviously it was it was incredibly difficult for you growing up and you're, yeah. you're now passing those experiences on. Yeah. To both sides of the fence. Yes. So, so both with young people you work with and people who interact with, with, with those communities. What do you think the biggest learning we can all take from that is, from both sides? Then? Biggest learning I think I've already touched upon is like everybody has, everybody has their challenges and everybody are individuals. And I think what we tend to see, we tend to group people in, gen in, gen in general, or this set of people are this way, or police officers are this way, or these core people are this way. There are bad eggs in every single area, so that doesn't mean everybody needs to be put in in in, uh, in a bubble. So, for me, I feel like there is there are always time for education and also getting to learn and understanding things and just be curious, but in a very respectful way. So, mm -hmm. that's that's I think that's what needs to be done. I I I see I see things written down. So we talk about and I suppose this comes into your microaggression. Yeah, we talk about. BAME communities, we talk about black communities, some people talk about people of colour. Is there a right or a wrong way to talk about other people's culture? Personally, putting every culture that is not Caucasian together, in, and I think that is wrong because everybody within that, everybody has their own different cultures yeah. and different ways they are. Um, I'm not personally a fan of BAME. I don't. I, I prefer to be seen as a black person. And there's people talk about, uh, for example, the word colour. That's not one of my... F favorite words because I yeah. feel like everybody has some color in some way, shape or form. So yeah. I, I always go just a black person, black person. If it's a brown person, a brown person, if the Pakistan but it's best to ask that person what they want to want, exactly. want, yeah. want to want to be uh, named as. But I understand a group of cohorts of people just try to understand I, I don't know. I, I don't have the right answer for that <laughs> to be honest. Um if you speak to different people they'll have different point of views on that as well on, yeah. on, that, on that as well. I, I must say I, I feel like that because it's it's very much high I did some work with uh, Lacadia mm -hmm. and, the, and the Women's yeah, Network, um, which was brilliant. And, yeah. and I sort of really opened my eyes to some different challenges that they face. Mm -hmm. But from that work we did, that bridging the gap work my mm -hmm. office did, you suddenly realise that what, what affects one community is completely different to what affects another community, yet we've grouped them together in many Absolutely. aspects. And, and that is a challenge. So... What do you see the barriers are in Teesside for, for those diverse communities to, to really overcome, those non-Caucasian communities, if you like? What do you see the barriers for, they are for them to overcome? Opportunities. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think opportunities comes as easy for some communities. It does from, it, it, it does from others. For, if I, for example, if, those, if I talk about East South Africa, it's only been the last three to four years where we've been able to really knock on the door for the council or the, the, uh, the police or... Uh, to get the funding and the support that we need, and that's been after fifteen all uh, years worth of work. Um, so, to get, why do you think that is? Because engagement is one thing, which, to be honest, your office has been a lot better, a better if uh, in uh, do, doing a lot of engagement work. Um, people, if people don't know where to search or what to look for, it goes back to understanding how the system works in this country. If they don't know where to, where the information is or where opportunities are or even where they can get the, f uh, the funding from. They will always not just do what they can with, uh, with the little that they have, because naturally our culture is that we just do we just deal with, uh, with what we have. So it's just understanding where those opportunities opportunities are, and that also comes down to 
engagement work and and and, that, and with engagement work I'll just touch upon this a lot of people have into I'm not talking about just your organization I'm talking about any a lot of organization they will do engagement work for a short period of time and then think that's it it's done but what you forget is people move all the time so for example if you look at the refugees uh, people will come and people will go they'll get moved to different countries or uh, different areas of the countries for example if you look at the police there will be new police officers coming on board so they will they understand how things go not necessarily because the engagement needs to be quite consistent as well so i think that's where what things going to be become a lot a lot um better on okay and as a police force mm-hmm. we we struggle to attract um diverse communities into the role of a police officer. Yeah. Do you think that, again, that's culturally, do you think that's because maybe experiences in other countries with police forces, with police officers, do you, do you think that? Do you think that's a barrier in itself to, to yeah. people joining Cleveland Police? That's been open conversation that we've had for the last couple of years, to be honest, even within South Africa, as it's not even enough diverse. But I think it also, it then will come down to how many times, for example, have we had... Um, work experience with young people coming, uh, uh, coming for, uh, for work experience within the police force, for example, or get to understand how it's like to become a police officer, what opportunities they've got with, uh, to become a police, uh, police officer. And then you are right as well. So if you look at the experiences of people back home as well, it's completely different to what it is, is, uh, mm-hmm. um, it is now. And also the other thing as well, the application form as well. At, at one point, I wanted uh, to, become a, to become a police officer in the application form just I got lost in the application form. It just right. it's a it just you feel like you're just going on for a long time, and this and it's not necessarily my forte to go through so much paperwork yes. as well. Um, so there's those are little things that, that put barriers in, if, especially if you don't know how to complete. And okay, so the also thing as well, if you don't know how to, for example, handle the test or put the right words that needs to be in the, applic- in the applications, you naturally get yeah. knocked back quite quickly. So if you don't know how that works, you wouldn't be able yeah. to be successful. And then that well. message sort of filters through those communities as well, doesn't it? That's, it's it's yeah. difficult. It's, it's too difficult. hard. It's, yeah. 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 Right. It's really interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier Black History Month. Yes. What would you say to people who says, why should we have a Black History Month? Why don't we have a White History Month? <laughs> Because you've heard that rubbish. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all heard that rubbish. So and there's an easy answer, but I, 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 I want to hear There, there is an easy answer because if you look, if you look at school, if you, if you go into school, for example, you look at the history, everything else is based around the white culture. So you don't really get to see what also impacts uh, the black community or Caribbean community have also brought into, um, into Britain as well. So it's a, it's a time, it's, it's been added on as a celebratory mo- month for people to get to um, to engage with um, uh, with communities that they've never they've, they've never engaged with before, and I know I, primarily we've looked at the slavery aspect of things, but for me I looked at Black History Month more as a celebration event. I like to, I like to be able to sh- bring in and be like, you know what, I can just be myself for a month and then show you who I am as a, as a real person. We can put loads of events on. Come and have a dance. Come and sing along and just have a really good time. Do you feel you can't normally be yourself? It depends where I am. Um, Explain, please. Good. Uh, okay. So, actually, it was prior COVID, prior Black Lives Matter, for example. Um, I felt like I was restricted to what I could be as a person. So I was seeing what was professional, what was not professional. So and 
some of it was just based on my own, I guess, experience rather than actually what is actually is happening. So, for example, I was a young black person going going to a boardroom, and it, I was expected to just be proper the way I was speaking, and there were, my mannerism had to be proper. And I kind of felt like I lost who I was as a person. I became like everybody else rather than just be myself. Then Black Lives Matter happened, and I felt like you know what? Let me just be proud of who I am as a person. And that's why I became a lot more open with, with this discussion around race. Um, I know you've been in our custody suite um, at the police station here in Middlesbrough. Um, do you, just generally within the police, mm -hmm. do you feel there is more we could do to to really engage with, with our non-Caucasian communities? It'll go back to the original thing that I've always said is in, uh, consistently... Um, engaging with uh, with those uh, with those uh, communities because at first there will always be a barrier and everybody knows that the hardest thing is that first uh, at that first communication because people are like what do you want kind of attitude but the more you persist and the more you show that you actually want just to get to be part of them understanding and get get to know them so you know how you can police them better the walls those eventually those come down and and the other the other thing I was talking about is uh, within the workshop as well is um, engaging with especially the community leaders as well because they actually do tend to make life a lot more simpler because people listen to community leaders and i know for a fact within mine if it is an elder from black person that tells me to stop i will literally show up and say i sit down and stop and that's because an elder within my community i respect them yeah um and that respect has been built over it's not just days or decades centuries old like that's just the way our culture has always yeah. been so then to be able to come in and be part of that you also have to be able to come in wanting to know and understand yeah. our cultures our cultures as well so that's what i think the the police more needs to be able to uh, to do it a lot more as well and i like you said i've been in 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 the suite quite often and one of my ones i remember quite well was an officer coming in without even asking anything and he was very much like straight on the bump on on, on top of me and i said like but you don't even actually know what happened. I'm not even the person that caught that, uh, that caused the chaos. And, and just to end up with me having a little bit of a tussle with the police officer and maybe in, in the police cell for the night, that's because he didn't know what happened. It wasn't yeah. me. I was stopping something from uh, from happening, but he jumped on top of me because you thought it was me, the aggressor. And, uh, and do, you, do you think he made that decision because of the colour of his skin? I definitely think so. I, for that situation, I definitely 100% think so. But we were coming out and we we're just settling things down. And those two guys, Caucasian fight fighting, we just came in to stop the to, to stop the fight. And for some reason, the first one that I came for was me. Yeah. And but we just those things does happen, and it's not often, but it does happen. But Do you think we'll ever eradicate? I don't think so. I think if we would, we would have. We would. It would have been done by now. But I just feel like it just keeps getting worse. Uh, okay. Not worse, it just keeps happening so many different times. It's not about tolerance for me, it's about education. Yeah. Um, and it's about understanding that whilst I, I meet loads of people in my, my walk of life who I don't, I don't agree with. I agree. It doesn't make them bad people. Yeah. It just, and there are people that are very different to who I am. Yeah. They, they're, they're just different. We're just different. We're all just different. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter whether the difference is the colour of our skin, the culture, the God we worship, mm. the places we drink, the homes we live in. It's just different. Yeah. And it's no better or worse. So my final question for you. Um, tell me something about yourself nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a lot of people believe I'm 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 an extrovert. But I'm actually an introvert. I love to be at home and just stay at home and just watch and, and watch TV and chill. Right, Junior. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me for for coming along. Coffee with the Commissioner. Um, you've been a great guest. Thank you. Um, we we're really looking forward to to getting your episode out there and and getting everybody to hear your your view of the world and your passion for Teesside. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. So we've been listening to Coffee with the Commissioner. Uh, here at Flock in Middlesbrough. Uh, Thank you all, and I'll speak to you all again next time.